بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلاه والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين وي كونتينيو باب فضل صلاه الضحى وبيان اقلها واكثرها واوسطها والحث على المحافظه عليها the chapter regarding the virtue of the morning the salat al-duha the morning prayer and the 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 explanation regarding what the minimum performance of it is and what the maximum performance is of it and what the uh, what the uh, medium performance of it is and the encouragement to uh, uh, to keep it as a regular practice uh, so we read the first hadith la- last week it, it bears repetition inshallah and abi huraira radiyallahu ta'ala anhu قال أوصاني خليلي صلى الله عليه وسلم بالصيام ثلاثة أيام من كل من كل شهر وركعتي ركعتي الضحى وأن أوتر قبل أن أرقد متفق عليه. That said Abu Hurairah رضي الله عنه said that my خليل صلى الله عليه وسلم my beloved صلى الله عليه وسلم he he gave me as a bequest. That I, uh, that I should, or as a commandment, uh, that I should fast three days every month and that uh, uh, I should uh, uh, pray two rak'ahs uh, every day after the sun rises off the horizon and that I should uh, pray my witr uh, prayer before I go to sleep. Uh, and so the common thread between all three things is that they're all sunnah practices and they're all the minimum performances. Meaning what? Meaning that the, the sunnah fast is what, three days a month? Or Mondays and Thursdays, which is the medium performance or the maximal performance is what is fasting every other day. And you actually get less reward for fasting every day. That's the maximum performance is to fast every other day. And just like that, he said that I should pray two rak'ahs of Salat al-Duha, meaning that this is also a minimal performance. And when I say minimal, I mean in quantity. Uh, quality makes up for what quantity lacks. And uh, any of these sunnahs, even if a person does the quote-unquote minimum performance, uh, that's like a really that's a really uh, good thing and it's a really big deal and whoever wants more uh, there's always a, a maqam above every other maqam Shayir come forward inshallah you have your copy with you? huh? it's not in the car? go get in go get it inshallah well, uh, 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 so the uh, uh, so that's the the, uh, 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 the the fast is also the min- minimal performance the salat al-duha is two rak'ahs which is the minimal performance and uh, uh, the minimal performance of witr is what? That a person pray before they sleep. The maximal performance is that they wake up and uh, combine it with their tahajjud. وعن سيدنا أبي ذرن رضي الله تعالى عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال يصبح على كل سلامة من أحدكم صدقة فكل تسبيحة صدقة وكل تحميدة صدقة وكل تهليلة صدقة وكل تكبيرة صدقة وأمر بالمعروف صدقة ونهي عن المنكر صدقة ويجزئ عن من ذلك ركعتان يركعهما من الضحى رواه مسلم So سيدنا أبو ذر الغفاري رضي الله تعالى عنه narrates that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, Every day the sun rises over uh, uh, one of you. Uh, you owe Allah Ta'ala an act of sadaqah, an act of charity for every one of your joints. For every one of your joints that Allah Ta'ala kept you functional, you kept you working, uh, you kept you uh, functional, that you don't have to go and, uh, you know, uh, uh, get insurance, your insurance company to pay people like Alawi money, right? This is a blessing. We want him to be successful, but we don't want him to make. We want him to be successful from other people, not from us, right? 
um, the, the idea is that there's a sadaqah, so many things could go wrong. So many like ajib weird things that can go wrong in the, in the body at any time. Any of any of them. And and you think that it doesn't happen, it happens. I met a, a I met a, a, a brother who's a pathologist and he said uh, uh, he did a like a rotation with the coroner in some place. People die of all kinds of crazy things. Just freak freak things. You think people die normally? There's a fair number of people who die in very abnormal and weird circumstances. It's uh, anything could go wrong, uh, 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 and it does go wrong oftentimes. So Allah Taala is reminding uh, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is reminding the 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 the, the believers that uh, Allah Taala owed a sadaqa for every day that each joint of yours is functional. Allah Taala owed a sadaqa, uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be money. Uh, meaning what? That to say Subhanallah is also a sadaqa. There are a number of meanings of this. Uh, and there are a number of possible meanings of this, not the least of which is that when an act of uh, piety is done, uh, it benefits other people as well. You do an act of piety, other people benefit from it. And this is one of the reasons that people, mashallah, when you go to the Haramain Sharifain, those people who barely can pray their five times daily prayer, they end up praying sunnahs and they end up sitting in the masjid half the day. It's because what? It's that piety of centuries of people, the sacrifices of centuries of people, it leaves the nur and, 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 and barakah in those places to the point where the hearts then incline toward goodness and then places where you round up people and like give them like weird poison smallpox blankets and you uh, uh, genocide and all this other stuff then there's a darkness that, that, that floats over even the heart of a pious person and person shouldn't be too negative or despair rather the, the, the uh, 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 Allah Ta'ala himself in his book says in al-hasanati yudhibna sayyat that when you do good deeds, it wards off the evil effect of a, of a sin. Uh, and Rasulullah says that, he said that, follow a good deed, a bad deed with a good deed, uh, uh, and it will efface it. Yamhuha, tamhuha. It will, it will literally, like, like, uh, like, like you wash like, uh, like ink off of a slate or something like that, it will efface it, it will erase it. Uh, 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 and so, uh, you know, not to despair, but all these things are considered salaqat, and there's other wujuh for this word being used over here, but that's also something to think about. So, when any of you says subhanallah, it's a sadaqah, and when any of you says alhamdulillah, it's a sadaqah, and when any of you says la ilaha illallah, it's a sadaqah. That's why, mashallah, we hang out for zikr afterward, it's good, mashallah, there's, there's khair that comes from it. You know, Masakin, the people living upstairs, who knows, you know, maybe they're, they sleep well on Sunday night. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe they're, they're and people, people mention this. This is not like far-fetched. Like the Madrasa I studied in, um, right next to it uh, is a, a, a factory for a Chinese corporation called Hire. H-A-I-E-R, something like that. So it's like half owned by Pakistani investors and it's half owned by the Chinese parent company. And so they make refrigerators and uh, air conditioners and stuff like that, you know. And so what happened was the madrasa is like there and then the, the, the factory is there. And one of the ajib, strange, very successful tricks of shaitan is, is the shaitan has like made the population of the Muslims separated from the, from the ulama. It's very strange, like a regular person, quote unquote, a regular person. All of us were regular people at one time. Now we're one of the weirdos, right? But at one point, we were all regular people. We used to look at people with beards and look at people, big families, vans filled with children. And God knows, like, ajib, like the, you know, these people are praying and saying, mumbling things and reading things that we don't know how to read and saying things we've never heard before, nor do we understand in a language you don't understand, right? 
Shaitan has done that separated the, 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 the regular Muslims from the ulama and thereby from the Islam itself. And so this is, I mean, it's, it's, it's a thing in, in many places. You know, people like literally the people who live right in the same neighborhood as the madrasa, they have no idea what's going on in the madrasa. They have no idea that what's going on with the ulama. They see the ulama and say, this guy's a terrorist or whatever. Just like whatever gym down the street sees us and thinks this guy may be a terrorist. Like literally it's the same scam that shaitan has pulled even in the Muslim world. So what happens is that the, 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 the manager of the higher factory uh, which is a pretty big job. It's a huge factory. The man was a manager of it. It's a it's a big uh, mansab for a person to hold. He was, uh, you know, he just like got over his fear one day, and he's like, you know what? They're like our neighbors. Let's just go check out what's going on. If something crooked is going on, at least we go in the property and see what's going on, right? So he himself, like on his own initiative, one day he came to the madrasa and he met the the sheikh al hadith of the madrasa, and uh, he gave him a tour and he showed him this room. We teach this. This is where the children do hifz of Quran. This is where fiqh is taught. This is how the prayers go. This is where you know the hadith of the dar al hadith is over here. You know that the students have break from this time until this time, and uh, uh, he noticed that. Uh, um, the the, cause the the monsoon torrential rains in the monsoon season in the late part of summer actually destroyed the the matam the the, the 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 it's not like an indoor cafeteria rather it's just like a shaded place because it's so hot over there that you're you know it's better they build a lot of the buildings kind of semi exposed so the wind can go through them so uh, a, a windstorm actually uh, destroyed the roof of the matam so it's just a structure. And so he, he was like, what, hap- what is this? And they said, well, the last time the, the storms came through, it destroyed it. He goes, how much will it cost to fix it? Because by this time, he's very impressed. He's happy because there's nobody who actually, you know, believes in la ilaha illallah. Look, it, it looks weird from a distance. But like, you know, then you're like, oh, wow, mashallah, like, you know, 20 kids become hafaz every year from this place. And they read all the six books and the kids are actually learning in Arabic. People like cannot believe that, you know, because they see the, the kids studying. They can't believe that these kids actually learn so much, you know. So he became happy like most people become happy. And uh, 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 and then uh, he he asked you know, how much will it cost to fix the 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 mat'am? and uh, the Shul Hadith told him he says don't worry I'll take care of it he he said he wrote a check and he just gave it right there then and there he said I only have one favor I want to ask so what's the, what's your favor he says that I have a, a, a clinical problem I can't sleep at night uh, uh, and oftentimes I take I have to take very powerful tranquilizers to sleep. Uh, and uh, I don't understand why, but now that I've come into this place, I all of a sudden feel sleepy. Is there a place that I can sleep? And the Sheikh Hadith told the students, go find like a corner where there's no class going on. Because there's no halls. It's the old system, which is what the masjid is like, essentially like the elementary school through university. You just have a different halaqa that you sit in. It's an open area. So he said, find like some semi-cordoned off place, shut the light off in that place and let him sleep. And he, he like sat there for three, four hours. And then he got up. And uh, uh, he says, you know, he asked the Sheikh Hadis, he goes, he goes, is it okay from time to time if I want to sleep, I can come here? And he says, yes. This is something people experience the whole world over, which is what Allah Ta'ala talks about it in his book. It's talked about in the hadith of the Prophet This is the thing, it's called sakina. That Allah Ta'ala, when a person becomes, the heart becomes aware of the presence of Allah Ta'ala. Allah's presence is everywhere. But when the heart becomes attuned to it, what does it do? It, it, it makes a person feel uh, comfort, comfortable and secure like the fetus feels comfortable and secure in, inside of the womb. All the worries of a person are gone then. This is why it's described in the hadith of the Messenger of Allah wasallam. Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, he mentions during the battle of Uhud, right? Which is not the one where, you know, like you're not going to, that's not going to be like the like the five minute YouTube like sh- movie clip that's going to like sell the movie. You know, like that's a, a very difficult time. Uh, it's not like the glorious victory that, you know, whatever it's, there's khair in it, but it's it's a hard time. 
Sidna Abu Bakr Sadiq mentions, despite the fact that it was like such a pitched battle, he said that so many times I felt so sleepy that my sword fell from my hand. I felt drowsy and I had to like, you know, uh, whatever. There are people actually mentioned that they, they actually took a nap during the battle, uh, which is very strange. And uh, the Rasul Sallallahu confirmed that this is the Sakina that, that, that you were feeling uh, 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 at that time and in that place. Uh, and it comes at the strangest of times. This is why people, mashallah, there are some people who live like very upper middle class and very comfortable lives and they're nerve wracked. And there are some people who uh, live, uh, uh, you know, they live in great difficulty, but you can see the anwar in their faces that they're, they're, they, they feel that, that sakina. So this is one of the meanings of, right, all of these things, these are all sadaqat. So you don't know that, that, that you sit together and take the divine name, the Mubarak name of Allah Ta'ala and what khair comes from it, not just for you, but for those around you. And then if it goes for those around you, then you get the reward for that as well. It's not just like altruism. This also in your favor. It's also a benefit as well. Uh, and he says that to command to that which is right, give people advice to do what's good, is also a sadaqah, and to pr prohibit uh, 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 what is wrong, to prohibit sin, is also a sadaqah, to, to tell a person not to do bad things, it's also, it's, it's also sadaqah. Uh, and a person can understand these things a little bit more tangibly, how they're sadaqat, that, that you encourage a, a society that's functional by... Uh, telling people to do productive things rather than uh, rather than harmful things, and then the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, at the end he says that in all all of those two hundred sadaqat, if you want to have no one act which will fulfill all of them, then the 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 praying two rakahs at the time of duha, that will fulfill that will fulfill all of them. And so there are some of the ulama, they mention, they take two different routes to explain this. Some of them say, well, the, the subsidiary parts of the salat, the ayat of the surah al-fatiha, and the tasbihat and your ruku and your sujood, they all sum up to 200. And some of them say, no, it's more, the salat itself is more than the sum of its parts. Rather, the tajalli of Allah Ta'ala's rahmah and the tajalli of Allah Ta'ala's uh, 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 barakat that come down on, on the person who prays means that this is an act which is, uh, becomes more than the sum of its parts. Uh, and I can see the, the wajh for both of them. But the point is that the Salat al-Duha is, uh, it, it's, uh, Rasulullah <laughs> mentions it at this point in order to uh, make ta'kid, to emphasize the, 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 the fadila and the benefit of it, the virtue of it. Go ahead, the, an Aisha radiallahu anha. وعن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي الضحى أربعا ويزيد ما شاء الله رواه مسلم So Sayyidah Aisha رضي الله تعالى عنها said that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم used to pray at the time of ضحى four rak'ahs and then he would increase he would increase from time to time as you know ما شاء الله what Allah تعالى would will for him to increase so sometimes he would pray more but he would he would generally pray four you generally pray for, and you'll see that that that's a that's like the minimum is two. Like for for nawafil, eight is a is a is a set, right? Like tahajjud is same thing as eight, and the uh, duha is also eight. The minimum is four. Generally, the Prophet minimum practice was four. Two is the minimum. Four is like practically from his sunnah how how he used to pray them, and then uh, thereafter it would go up to eight. And then if you want to pray more, then you lengthen lengthen the the rakaat rather than increase the increase the quantity so this is the the you said the minimum and then we said the the middle uh, uh, amount and then we're going to talk then he, he he's going to mention the extent of the the uh, the the salat duha go ahead fakhita fakhita binti abi talib radiyallahu anha 
قالت ذهبت إلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عام الفتح ووجدته يغتسل فلما فرغ من غسله صلى ثمان ركعات وذلك ضحى متفق عليه وهذا مختصر لبي إحدى روايات مسلم So this is a uh, this is a uh, an interesting hadith and uh, it's it's very well known between the hadith narrators it's a hadith of both Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim that Ummu Hani who is the sister of Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anha that when the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam was in Makkah Mukarramah at its conquest she came to the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam says this is a part of a longer uh, a longer hadith um, uh, in which there's a longer incident that's narrated that Sayyidina Ali anhu was given the assignment of essentially uh, uh, taking out a certain individual Fulan ibn Abi Hubayra his, his actual name is not mentioned but his uh, the, the name of his father is mentioned his so-and-so son of Abu Hubayra uh, that he, he essentially is assigned to take this guy out people don't, don't, may not know this because, partially because they don't read the seerah uh, uh, there's some other issues as well, but um, that there is a short list of people who the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that these people are to be killed, even if they're uh, taking found taking refuge, clinging to the astar of the Kaaba, the 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 cover of the Kaaba. And interestingly enough, I don't know that any of them actually get killed, but this was the, the this was the explicit order of the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam also narrated in Bukhari. That the haram was was made halal for me in, in in the in the hour of conquest, and it will never be made halal again. Meaning that the 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 prohibition for uh, the prohibition for uh, killing was lifted for the Prophet sallallahu bloodshed was lifted for the Prophet sallallahu for the hour of conquest, and it will never be lifted again until Yom Qiyamah. Uh, and so it's interesting the stories about these people. Most of them even they end up getting forgiven. They'll like Safwan and 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 Ikrimah uh, Abi Abi Jahl. They'll like run away and then they'll like seek permission to come back and the Prophet will give them protection and they'll come back and they'll accept Islam later. Uh, um, the, uh, uh, the, the, the poet uh, 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 Ka'ab ibn Zuhair, he, he, he will like literally brazenly like in, the, in broad daylight, he'll walk into the tent in which the Prophet is staying and uh, he will come and he'll say salam to the Rasul and uh, he will accept Islam, and the Prophet ﷺ will accept it from him. He used to uh, write. Uh, he used to write uh, 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 disparaging and untruthful uh, 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 propaganda in the in, in in the form of verse. He used to write hijab against the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and uh, the Rasul sallallahu His name was on the list as well. You know, you have people like that. You watch on Fox News, and they'll lie about. So they'll just lie about the deen. And one of the reasons they lie is because if people actually knew what the deen was, they, they would say that that's very reasonable. There's a fear that not only is it reasonable, in some sense it will seem more reasonable to people than, than, than the other uh, nonsense that's being peddled to them. Uh, there are very few people who are, going to, uh, who are going to argue with it. So what do you have to do? You have to lie. And so uh, he was basically doing the bidding of the mushrikeen that, uh, that, that he would uh, uh, compose a, a, a satirical poetry uh, attacking the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, particularly uh, uh, fabricating false uh, claims against him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. These are very; these are not. This is not a small thing. Why? Because a person who believes it and they die in that state, they're going to go to Jahannam forever. It's a big. It's a very heavy responsibility. It's not a sin like other sins. But he just walks right in broad daylight and he he uh, takes the shahada and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam accepts it from him and then he leaves. Uh, 
And then the and whenever when he just like leaves, he says to his companions, he says, "Didn't I tell you guys to kill this guy?" <laughs> and they said, "Yeah, Rasulullah, if you even if you even uh, if you even like made a gesture with your eye, we would have we would have killed him on the spot." He says, "No, a nabi is not khainatul a'yun. It's not khainul ain. Nabi is not a nabi is not treacherous of the eyes. Meaning, he walked in." And it's not like I charged him or anything. He walked into the tent seeking, seeking protection. And I, you know, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't indicate to him that he's not protected. So from that moment, he becomes my guest. So he was under the protection. He, I guess he's, he's fine now. And he's, now he's a Muslim. So it's a completely a moot point at, that, at this point. And interestingly enough, the original Qasida to Burda, the Banat Su'ad, he's the one who writes it. Which is one of which was one of the most uh, beloved uh, verse to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he presented this verse in praise of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as a kafara for the the the, the misuse of his uh, of his artistic talent from before Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was so happy that he actually took off his cloak and put it on his uh, uh, on his shoulders as a uh, as a sign of uh, as a, as a, as a, like a, a sign of his pleasure and his his uh, uh, as a reward for him. Uh, for doing this thing. So what happens that this Abu Hubeira is like, Fulan Ibn Abi Hubeira is, uh, uh, he's on the list. And so what happens is that uh, 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 Umm Hani, who is the sister of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anha, uh, and uh, 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 Wallahu alam, I don't even think she was a Muslim before before the Fatah. I think she accepted Islam on the, on the occasion of the Fatah. Uh, uh, um, she comes to see the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, uh, with regards to this, uh, 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 she says, she, she says, uh, 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 the Rasul Sallallahu asks who it is. It's a very interesting scene, actually, because the Prophet Sallallahu is actually taking a bath. He's making ghusl. And how is he making ghusl? Sayyidah Fatima, radiallahu anha, is like against a wall. And Sayyidah Fatima, radiallahu anha, has an open, uh, uh, open uh, chadr, like open shawl. And she's screening him and he's, he's making ghusl. She's just holding it for, uh, from, the, from the back and he's... Uh, he's making ghusl inside, which shows also the simplicity of the Prophet It's not like a, a royal type setup. There's no servants or slaves or anything. It's in fact Sayyidah Fatima who's just screening him. And he's, 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 he's making ghusl at this time. And uh, 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 with very little takalluf, Ummu Hani enters into the room while this is happening. And uh, the Rasul وسلم, while this is happening, he asks, who is it? And she says it's Ummu Hani, and he says uh, 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 he says uh, uh, he says Marhaban, welcome Ummu Hani. And so uh, 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 what happens? He con- continues his whistle, he finishes it, puts his, puts his clothes on, and then he'll pray eight rakahs of uh, uh, of, of uh, the Salatul uh, Salatul uh, uh, Duha. And then after he's done with it, he'll ask her what's going on. And the, I guess that one of the things that strikes me about this is the lack of takalluf, the complete like lack of formality, that uh, there's no protocol, first of all. The second thing is that uh, 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 they're family members anyway, right? It's his first cousin, uh, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And uh, uh, it's really interesting, right? It's, you're the first cousin of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but she accepted the Islam in the, in the time of the Fatih, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, 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 so she's just coming basically to ask for a favor. <laughs> she says that, she says, after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa done with his eight rakahs, uh, he 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 says uh, he says welcome Umuhani and uh, 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 no when she comes in and then after he's done with the eight rakahs he he uh, asks uh, uh, you know he asks uh, what's what's going on and she says that uh, Ya Rasulullah Zama ibn Ibn Ummi Ali ibn Ali ibn Abi Abi Talib 
أنه قاتل رجلا أجرته فلان بن هبيرة فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قد أجرنا من أجرتي يا أم هاني قالت أم هاني وذلك الضحن The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم I mean he didn't also like she didn't interrupt his his uh, his uh, his like his uh, schedule of adhkar as well his his word you understand what i'm saying now we think about like dawa dawa has become like it's morphed into a freak that will like miss our prayer time just to make other people happy and uh, dawa the best dawa is to practice what you believe in so he did pray his eight rakahs um and he didn't apologize or anything for that because that's just what he does he's not a greeter at walmart he's the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam you and me are not greeters at walmart we all have to get to jannah as well so we have to say our orad, we have to say our adhkar, we have to read our juz from for our, our whatever, our words from the Qur'an, we have to pray our, our, our orad of, of nafil prayer. We have to do all of those things. You don't have to apologize for, for it. You don't have to be a jerk about it either. You just do it. And so very without much takalluf, he did it, sallallahu alayhi wa And then once he was finished with it, uh, she, she asked this, uh, uh, she asked uh, 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 the Messenger of Allah, she said, oh Messenger of Allah, uh, the son of my mother, Ali ibn Abi Talib, meaning my brother. So Sayyidina Ali is the one who's with the Prophet since he's like nine years old. He's the one, Uhud Badr, he's there, all of these places, right? He's there with the Prophet sticks to, through, with him through thick and thin. Uh, and she goes, well, the, she goes to the Messenger of Allah, who, like, hey, cuz, what's going on? Like, after all these years, uh, you know, my, my, my brother, he's, he, he, he claims that he's, he's going to kill uh, 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 a person that I, I gave protection to, uh, which, is, uh, uh, which is Fulan uh, Ibn Hubayra. And the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he, he just kind of like, you know, I can imagine it was probably something almost like uh, humorous for him. Uh, he's like, he says, don't worry, Muhani, whoever you give protection to, I'll give them protection as well. So like there's another one slips past the list, you know. Uh, uh, um, uh, and, and, and so uh, 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 Muhani mentions that, that that time that you know that all this happened he made ghusl and he prayed eight rakahs that was at the time of duha and so it's transmitted through so many uh, channels this is one of the most well known uh, hadith in which the salatul duha of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is mentioned go ahead Good, read the Noe's comments too. So this is a chapter regarding uh, uh, it's it's permissible the chapter regarding the permissibility of uh, 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 sorry the the uh, the the tajwiz of the of the salat uh, salat al duha from the time that the the sun lifts off of the horizon uh, all the way until high noon. And uh, that from the virtuous times uh, uh, to, to, to pray it is uh, later in the morning when it gets hotter and when the sun rises higher in the morning. Uh, so it's narrated by Sayyidina Zaid bin Arqam radiallahu ta'ala anhu that he saw 
a group of people once praying the Salatul Duha and he says to them uh, uh, um, do he says about them don't they know that the uh, that this this very Salat that they're praying if they prayed it at a different time or in a different hour they would get more reward for it and uh, uh, um, he mentions that indeed the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that the prayer of the Awabin the prayer of the Awabin Al Awabin man Arrajaina Arrajauna min al Ghaflati ila Al Huduri wa min al Zambi ila Tawbah that the don't they know that the prayer that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that the prayer of the Awabin meaning those who return again and again from heedlessness to being present with Allah that they don't they don't you know, clock out for uh, days at a time, hours at a time, uh, in which they're heedless of Allah Taala. That 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 as soon as they realize or they're aware that they they're they're heedless of Allah Taala, they bring their themselves back again and again and again in the day so many times to Allah Taala's remembrance and to being aware of the sacred presence of Allah Taala. Uh, and the awabin are 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 those who uh, they do that and they also. Uh, uh, constantly uh, uh, are uh, coming back from the state of sin into the state of Toba. So Awab, uh, awab is, is like a more intense form of Toba. Uh, there, there are a number of words, Awab, Awah, uh, uh, etc., uh, uh, that, that, that describe uh, different forms of intensity of, of persons. Constant turning to Allah Ta'ala and his, and his or her Ruju' ilallah his or her constant returning to Allah Ta'ala in all matters and all times of the day or night. The Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi said that, that the, the prayer of the Awabin is when, is Hina Tarmadul Fisal. What is a Fisal? Uh, fasila. Fisal is the, the, the plural of the word Fasila. Fasil in Arabic means for something to be separated from something. It's like a fasil is like a crop or like a classroom. It's like a separate class in the school. Uh, uh, or it's uh, uh, it's something for something like uh, for something to be separated. That's the base meaning of the, the the root. So fisal are those baby camels that are weaned from like when they just when they get weaned from their mother. So they don't they're they're no longer uh, they're no longer feeding from the mother or drinking milk from the mother, but they're just barely big enough to be able to function on their own. So those are the fisal. Uh, and so the idea is what is it the 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 um, the hoof or the foot of the camel. The baby is still so soft that when it gets to the heat of the midday, it still burns it a little bit to walk. It's not like scarred and hard and like tough like the, the fully grown camel is. So the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that the, the prayer of the people of uh, uh, the, that make toba over and over again, the awabin, is, is what? It's when you see in the late morning that the, the, the feet of the, uh, the, 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 those little camels, that they'll start walking ooch ouch ooch like because it's it burns their feet uh, uh in the heat of the day obviously that's not something we can see in lombard and it's definitely not happening nowadays <laughs> but but it's it's like that whatever 11 o'clock you know uh, uh 10 30 11 o'clock uh, until until uh, uh the midday that's the the ty- type of time it is and it's interesting actually uh, uh, this hadith, as a cultural note, there's a kind of like a, 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 a win for the desis and a fail for the desis. The win is what? Is that there's actually a word in Persian, chasht, that describes th- this time. We actually have a word for the salat. And so you'll oftentimes see like on the, on the like prayer times board in like a really hyper desied out masjid, 
Uh, I don't know of anyone, any of them in the suburbs like, that are that like this. But you'll see, actually, see they'll have a time posted for Chasht. And people are like, what is Chasht? The Daisy people made up their own religion or whatever. What is Chasht is just a Persian word for the late morning. And so the Chasht is what? It's the Sathal Awabin. So that's a win. Mashallah. Pat yourself on the back. Right? Not that. <laughs> pat yourself on the back once you start praying it, inshallah. And don't let anyone see you. In fact, don't let Allah see you either. But, uh, uh, so don't pat yourself on the back. But uh, the, 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 the fail is what? The fail is for whatever reason. There's another hadith in Tirmidhi in which it, it's said that whoever prays six raka'ahs after Salat al-Maghrib and he doesn't speak evil between any of them. Uh, meaning like don't whatever uh, text mean things to people or backbite or uh, shoot dirty looks around, across the room or whatever. Just when you're done with your maghrib, say your adhkar, get up and you pray six rak'ahs. So Allah Ta'ala will write for you the, the reward of continuously worshipping him for 12 years. Okay, that's, that's, another, that's another thing. Uh, 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 that's another uh, hadith of the Prophet is narrated in Tirmidhi. Okay, for God knows what reason... In the Indian subcontinent, that's they call that Salatul Awabin, and I have no reason, I have no idea why. The Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the narration of Muslim is that he called the Salatul Awabin what? What the Desi people call chasht, which is the is the portion of the duha in the late morning. So, for example, many of you guys are probably going to do itikaf this year or at some point in your life or whatever, right? So, uh, the, the 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 best way of praying the Salatul Duha is what? Is that you pray some part of it after the sun rises, and if you want to, then go to go, go sleep for a little while. Then when you wake up before zuhr, like an hour before zuhr or whatever, then finish the rest of your eight rakat. The Prophet <laughs> sometimes would observe the salatul duha as one time, and sometimes he would break, break it up into two different times. And this is also another uh, 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 this is another I guess uh, piece of hikmah and wisdom for the the person who wishes to worship Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Uh, uh, you know, it's you know anyone can be like, yo, I'm gonna read a hundred rakahs, yeah, I'm gonna read a thousand. You know, it's you can say all that stuff. It's easier said than done. One of the practical uh, 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 tips uh, of how how you're gonna be able to do that is when you're doing things like like eight rakahs or whatever. Um, Pray to and then sit for a while in the middle. Read some Quran, make some zikr, go stretch, make renew your wudu. Uh, 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 you know, do something. You don't have to waste time, right? Like, don't do something that's gonna completely kill the kill your kill your mind. Like, okay, I'm gonna start, uh, you know, get on my phone or whatever. That's gonna suck your brain into like a, a different place, you know. But do something that will that will uh, uh, that will give you some refreshment, so that when you get through the salat again, uh, you get to the salat again, you feel refreshed and you feel happy and motivated to do it. Because the hadith of the Prophet wasallam that Allah Taala doesn't get bored of your uh, your acts of worship until you bore from them yourself. Obviously, what does it mean in the hadith for Allah to be bored with them? Meaning he's not impressed with them and he does he's not going to reward you so much for them and it doesn't mean anything to him. Uh, so if you're getting bored with your worship, don't, you know, just uh, uh, move on, do something else. And this is a, 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 a kind of like one of the tricks of the trade, which is what? That move from one thing to another to another to keep your mind engaged, to keep your heart engaged. Uh, and that's a better and a superior way of showing uh, 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 slavehood to Allah Ta'ala than uh, doing something and completely being like mentally checked out and like spiritually checked out. At that point, you're just going through the motions, which is not which is not going to help you. In most cases, it's not going to help you. So, Bismillah. <laughs>
صلى ركعتين بنية التحية أو صلاة فريضة أو سنة سنة واثبة أو غيرها عن أبي قتادة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا دخل أحدكم المسجد فلا يجلس حتى يصلي ركعتين متفق عليه So there's a chapter regarding the encouragement to pray uh, uh, a prayer as a greeting for the masjid, uh, at least two rak'ahs, and the dislikedness of sitting in the masjid before having prayed those two rak'ahs. Um, the rest of the title name is, I guess, Imam, is Imam Nawawi uh, kind of working his Shafi'i fiqh angle. So if you're a Shafi'i, then follow it, and if you're not, then you don't have to. But... Uh, um, the Shafi'i opinion is this is that a person should not sit in the masjid until they've prayed at least two rak'ahs, no matter what the time of day it is. So he says that, the, 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 and the dislikedness of sitting down before praying two rak'ahs, no matter what the time of day it is, whether or not that person uh, prays the, the salat with the intention of, of the greeting the masjid uh, or the intention of a fard prayer or the intention of one of the sunnahs or anything else, that the first thing you should do when you enter the masjid is you should do the tahiyyah first and then sit down. So this word tahiyyah, where do you remember it from? Tahiyyatulillah, it's from the tashahud, right? And we mentioned the, the, the reason for this word being used, that the word is a word meaning greeting, and it's specifically used for greeting Allah Ta'ala because you're not going to say assalamu alaikum to the one who himself is a salam. So this peculiar word is used for the same similar meaning but to Allah Ta'ala because it's appropriate with Allah Ta'ala. Uh, uh, whereas the salam is a better word to use when uh, greeting the creation. And so the idea is that when you go to the masjid, what do you go for? Do you go to be seen by the other people so they vote for you in the next board election? No. Do you go there because I want to like, you know, show everybody how good my recitation is and maybe the imam won't show up and I can be imam today? No. Do you, you know, are you just there to play basketball? Hopefully not. Uh, are you, you know, and then nothing, Shaykh is basketball. No, I didn't say that, but that's not why you go to, I mean, hopefully that's not like why you go to the masjid. Uh, uh, um, uh, you know, it's okay to play basketball again, but, you know, people should at least have enough common sense to know that it's not why, why they go to the masjid. Um, the idea is what? That you're going there for the, the ridha of Allah Ta'ala, that Allah Ta'ala should be pleased with you. So as a, as a sunnah and a sign that you're entering the masjid is for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, before doing anything, what do you do? You greet the masjid, you greet Allah Ta'ala in the masjid. By, meaning what? Allah is with you all the time anyway. But when you enter the masjid space, the first thing you do is an act of devotion to Allah Ta'ala. Then afterward you go say salam to your buddies and uh, uh, do all the other good stuff that, that, that everybody will do in the masjid afterward. This is one of those things completely, completely for reasons known only to the Lord. In America, we completely butcher the sunnah. Uh, we completely mercilessly butcher the sunnah. We killed and destroyed the sunnah. That people walk into the masjid and they go, And, you know, it's one of those things people think like maybe people from that country do that back home. Nobody does it back home. If you walk into any masjid back home, I don't care where you're from. If you walk in, <laughs> unless it's like the most jahil of places. There are some places like villages where like nobody knows how to read. In those places, I've seen stuff like this happen. If you're from any of the Amsar, like a place where like you can reasonably expect that a person has gone to middle school, nobody does this. Nobody does this in any of the Muslim countries. For whatever reason, here it becomes like a very common, uh, very common practice that even if you're like, okay, I went to Riyadh the Salihin, I'm in the zone, from now on when I enter the masjid space, I'm going to do my two rak'ahs because I go in for the sake of Allah. Some, someone will come and intercept you and like, 
put you in the awkward position of being like, Assalamu alaikum wa alaikum assalam, this, that, and the other thing. So like at first, after I read this the first time, I would just stark ignore people. I just walk right in and pray my two rakahs. And then afterward, I'll go and find them and I'll say wa alaikum assalam to them. No, but then yeah, people are going to like make an unmasked documentary. Sheikh, I said salam to him, he didn't even respond. And he's just this and that. And that's why I left Islam and I'm an alcoholic now. And like I moved in with my girlfriend because that Sheikh, I hate him so much. and go to hell. That I, but I don't believe in hell anymore. But you know, like... It's like, okay, how are you, right? And you're just like, yeah, Allah knows and He sees all of these things. Alhamdulillah, if you're not, you know, the, one of the best things you can have in life is just keep a low profile. You don't know a whole lot of people and a whole lot of people don't know you. Most people are not worth knowing anyway. Just know the people who are worth knowing and be someone worth knowing to the few people who know you as well. That's a real blessing, mashallah. Uh, but inshallah, since we're going to construct a society based on the ideals of the sunnah, right? Inshallah, one day Allah give us tawfiq. This is the way it's supposed to be. People should have common sense, even if somebody, when they walk into the masjid, when they see them, let them pray their two rakahs, then you can go buddy buddy with them as well. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's, it's, it's good. You should you know, love one another and all this other good stuff. Say salam to one another. That's wonderful. I'm not trying to say not. I remember I taught this uh, hadith from the Riyadh Salihin in a masjid I was imam in some nondescript uh, amount of time ago. And uh, uh, some guy's like, Sheikh, you know, I wish you hadn't taught that hadith. I'm like, why? He goes, I've become in such a habit now that when I walk in a masjid and someone says salam to me to like just pray two rakahs, now people say salam to me outside and I don't, I like stop myself from saying wa alaikum salam to them. I said, no, that has nothing to do with the hadith. That's just you like not applying it because the hadith didn't say not to say wa alaikum salam to people outside. It just says to pray two rakahs first. And then you can say wa alaikum salam to the people inside the masjid and outside the masjid you don't have to worry about it. So just because you misapply it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. Uh, with the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam or with these adab. They're beautiful. They're beautiful adab. They're beautiful adab. If you think about it, that it makes a person go to the masjid for the sake of Allah. People, if they went to the masjid for the sake of Allah, maybe there wouldn't be as many fist fights in taraweeh, you know, which would be a good thing. It would be a beautiful thing. It would be wonderful. You know, Riyadh Salihin would just, that would be like, not just the book we read, but it would be like our reality that we live. Like no fist fight over to- toes and heels on the line. No fist fight over over uh, a fundraising or no fundraising. No fist fight over whether Eid is there or not. So many people are like, I knew the moon was sighted because there was a fight that happened in the masjid that night. You know, I knew someone saw the moon somewhere. Like, no, let's like see the moon and still like not fight anyway. Even though the shaitan is not locked up, but like just because we're not like, the shaitan ourself, you know, like, let's try not to fight with each other. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, and so if it's hard to become accustomed to, then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَا يُؤْمِنُ أَحَدُكُمْ That one of you not, will not perfect his or her faith until their desires become conformant to the thing that I brought. Uh, so with regards to this, the Shafi'is and the Hanbalis, may Allah ta'ala... Uh, 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 honor all of our ayyimah and all of those people who follow them their maslak is what is that when you enter the masjid you have to pray two rak'ahs in any circumstance whatsoever whether you've already prayed asr and it's maghrib hasn't come in yet or not whether you already prayed uh, uh, subah and the uh, sun has risen or not whether the imam is on the mimbar giving the khutbah and these are three notable exceptions that the elders from the sahaba and the elders from the mujtahidun they actually made exception in these things which is what? That, that you pray two rakahs tahiyyah uh, uh, at minimum, except for 
if you pray to Asr because it's makru to pray, uh, pray anything until the, the sun has set at, at that point. Or if you prayed the Salat al-Subh, the Fajr prayer, because it's to pray anything until the sun rises off the ground. Or if the Imam is the imam is on the mimbar giving the khutbah, because the khutbah is as if it's part of the Salat. That it's far, you don't start praying sunnahs when the farthest is going on in the masjid. And so, uh, according to Malik and according to Abu Hanifa, rahimahumullah tabarak wa ta'ala, in the situations uh, where it's makruh to pray, uh, uh, with the with the khutbah you just go in and sit down. In the two aforementioned situations when it's makruh to pray at those times, there's a narration that comes from the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa that the tahiyyah at that time is the, what the, what's known as the tasbih al-mala'ika. If I'm not mistaken, Desi people refer to it as tisra kalima. Right? Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. You say it four times. Each two times is like stands in the place of a rak'ah of prayer, and this is the tahiyyah of the, of, of the masjid at that point. If you follow whatever masjid you follow, alhamdulillah, keep following it and do good, inshallah, the ikhtilaf of the ulama is a rahmah. But the point is, don't walk into the masjid heedlessly. Don't walk into the masjid like a consumer or whatever. Come, come as somebody that you're, you, you, you went there with, with a, a goal that you wanted to make Allah happy with you. You wanted to make Allah Ta'ala pleased with you. Right? This, is the, this, is the, this is the prize of every believer. That in every moment they should have muraqaba and, and think, ask themselves the question, which thing can I do in this moment that will make Allah pleased with me? And do it. And just like that, the, the opposite, the, that's the poison of a person's iman that will kill a person, the poison that will kill a person's iman and that will, will deprive them of barakat and rahamat in this world and the hereafter is the secret, the secret conversation every person has with themselves uh, 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 with regards to Allah's disobedience, which they don't understand or they don't, they're not aware that Allah is hearing and listening to that that's the poison that shuts the door of khair for a, for a person and so at any rate uh, the, the 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 former thing that we mentioned that's that's how you how you uh, enact allah ta'ala forgive all of us allah ta'ala forgive all of us and have mercy on all of us and straighten us out and and pull us out of our stupidity that we do these dumb things that we think we're smart and we're really just the dumbest people of the entire creation when we do them allah forgive us and give us tawfiq to leave such things behind at any rate if you want to do these things the right way uh, that's how you do it, is that I'm going to go to the masjid to make Allah ta'ala happy, this is the thing that I'm going to do. And then afterward you say salam to other people and you show face and all these other things, that's fine inshallah, uh, within reason. Go ahead. Sayyidina Jabir radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, I came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa while he's in the masjid, and uh, 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 he, 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 sa- he, uh, he says to him, uh, go pray two rak'ahs. Meaning what? He came to the Prophet to talk about something. He came to the Prophet to say salam and talk about something. What did Rasulullah say? He didn't say walaikum salam. He said, go pray two rak'ahs. Uh, this is one thing, Bhai uh, Shahir, just between you and I. This is Rasulullah doing it, right? This ajib, like weird Disneyland, Walmart greeter uh, type. The sower people have about the akhlaq of the Prophet وسلم, is 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 wrong. Sayyidina Jabir came to him to say salam to discuss it. He literally told him, No, go pray two rakahs first, then come back and then we'll talk about it. And that's also the akhlaq of the Prophet. وسلم, otherwise, how would Sayyidina Jabir ta'ala and who know that? And the hadith is narrated by him, right? The hadith is narrated by him. 
Imagine that he's going to receive the reward for everybody who remembers to pray their tahiyyah until Yom Qiyamah. There's so much khair in it. But what is it when the nafs is like so hyper touchy? And it's like, oh my God, is this the o'clock of the Prophet? So you treat me like this. I mean, I'm not saying this to, like, there are people who are in that state right now. We have to deal with them where they are. There's no profit in pushing them away from the deen. You know, there's no profit. If you know someone's going to flip out and make a documentary about how they hate Islam just because you didn't say so, then go say walaikum salam to them. You know, there's no profit in doing that. But the point is that when people bring this, this, this ishkal, this objection up, the, person, the people of knowledge should know this is a baseless objection. And they should deal with the people as like a psychological case rather than a, 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 a case that has to do with understanding the sunnah or not. Because the actual sunnah is to, to the person who is able to ex- understand the haq, that that person, you should tell them. And there should be no takalluf on either side, neither in saying it nor in hearing it as well. And then there are some people who they're they're just not there yet, so you have to deal with them. But the 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 you know it's there's like so many stories. The story is Al Hassan jumped on the back of the Prophet in the masjid, so people are like, yes, it's a sunnah. Let's have all the kids like run crazy during the salat. No, everybody understands it's really bad for that to happen. Thus, in the one or two exceptional cases where things like that happen, and then the Prophet shows restraint and hilm. That's what the whole. That's what makes those hadiths make sense, right? The the Bedouin came into the masjid and started to urinate. Everybody knows this is very wrong. This is high level of incorrectness happening right now. To phrase it funny, right? Very high level of incorrectness. To phrase it politely, to be honest with you, right? There's other more uh, colorful ways of describing something like that happening that people would generally use if they saw that happening they'd be like oh my god bleep like what what's going on right everybody knew that that's why it's so exemplary that the messenger of allah saw something sees like this guy is so clueless he obviously doesn't know what's going on so let's deal with this in a different way and it's a, a legendary show of akhlaq the meaning of it is not that the oh let's follow the sunnah put in ur- urinals into the masjid there nowadays there are people like that they don't understand that the exception only has meaning when when put in the context of the rule if you turn the exception into the rule, you'll t- completely uh, uh, turn the entire Islam upside down and you'll make like Islam completely non-functional. You'll make it completely non-functional. That if everything is constantly being disrupted, if, no, if everyone is so touchy and so like like sensitive, trigger sensitive, that you, nobody can say the haq to anybody anymore, the ummah is going is, is gonna to be in a really, uh, in a bad position. It's going to be in a bind. Uh, it's a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa It's narrated by no less than Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. That if you see the people stop uh, commanding to that which is right and stop for prohibiting that which is evil. You, you say goodbye to them. There's no more khair left in them. Uh, again, that doesn't mean that you just walk up and blast somebody who's probably not going to take it well. But at the same time, other people should themselves understand that this is part of my iman, this is part of my deen, this is part of my spirituality, that I also should like listen to it and like not be so like, uh, uh, you know, snowflakey about, about, the whole, uh, about the whole issue, about the whole matter. Uh, and so this Sayyidina Jabir radiallahu anhu, this is a, it's a beautiful hadith. He's a young man. I mean, it's not no one's going to say, oh, look, you're driving the youth away from Islam. He's a young man at this time. And the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa he actually had business with him. It's in the, in the commentary. This is a part of a larger hadith in which Sayyidina Jabir was conducting a business transaction with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was informing him about business. So it's not like he came to waste time or shoot the breeze or anything. He's actually doing work, which is also the work of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa But the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa said, first go read your two rak'ahs. Then inshallah we'll, 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 talk about, we'll talk about whatever it is afterward. Go ahead.
Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala who narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu anhu. You know Sayyidina Bilal is? Right? He was a slave and then his, he accepted Islam and his master tortured him, almost killed him before becoming Muslim and he said he kept beating him and torturing him more and more and almost killed him and kept saying come back to the worship of idols and I'll let you go and he refused and he kept saying Ahad Ahad that I just worship one Allah and then Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq uh, bought him when he was about to die he purchased him as a slave and then he freed him and he was one of the most beloved companions of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu one day the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to him he said, uh, and Sayyidina Bilal is one of those people, you see sometimes you get the feeling from reading the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that especially when they're new to Islam, some of the people didn't, like not the Muhajirin, but maybe some of the people that didn't uh, 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 understand his worth as much, right? Nobody appoints him governor, nobody appoints him Khalifa afterward, he's not a judge, he's not, you know what I mean? When the Messenger ﷺ is gone, then the one who appreciated him is gone. Uh, uh, because nobody knew his worth like the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam knew it. Uh, uh, but there was a very special uh, relationship of love between the two of them. Uh, and so Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu anhu, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says to him, he says, Oh Bilal, tell me about uh, the deed that you do, that, like, that you in particular do, that you have the most hope you have the most hope that it's going to uh, the deed in Islam that you do that you have the most hope uh, in uh, uh, because you do it because he said I was shown uh, in a vision I heard the the duff the sound of your your two uh, uh, your two uh, sandals in front of me in Jannah um and the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa his vision is wahi, it's the haq. When we see visions and things like that in dreams and whatnot, they're metaphoric, me- metaphorical, you know, there's like an image that is a metaphor for some other meaning. But the maqam of sidq of the anbiya alayhi wasallam is that the, the meaning is no longer metaphorical. What they see is, is they're seeing literal realities in front of them. And so it's part of, it's part of, the, part of the wahi that, uh, he, that he saw it, meaning it's going to happen, it's the haq. Uh, uh, and so he said, I, I, because I heard the, the sound of your footfalls, the footfalls of your sandals uh, uh, in front of me in Jannah. Uh, and so Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu anhu, he says that the, there's no deed that I do in which I have more hope than um, that I uh, never uh, uh, make wudu or ghusl uh, uh, in any hour of the day or night uh, except for after making the wudu. I will pray uh, two rakahs with that uh, uh, um, as long as Allah Ta'ala writes for me or fates for me to be able to pray. And, uh, you know, the, the, the note with this is what is that Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu anhu as well as a number of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they used to stay in, in the state of wudu. It's not that they only did it for the salat or for the uh, obligatory, 
performances, but they used to make it a point as an act of worship to stay in wudu all of the time. So hadith of the Prophet that nobody will take take uh, care and caution to uh, be in wudu all the time except for the believer. It's a sign of a person's iman. And the benefit of it is what? Is that in wudu and the, the, the ritual purity, it's a spiritual thing. It's not just a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. That, that in that state, a person is, shaitan is denied easy access to the person. Uh, evil influences are, are impeded from affecting that person. And the malaik are attracted to that person. The limbs of wudu literally shine in the, in the, in the spiritual realm. And it's beautiful. The angels, they adore and they marvel those things. And their presence, angelic presence, opens the heart to what? It opens the heart to uh, accepting good, uh, uh, good influence uh, in the spiritual realm. And this is not a. This is not like just something the Sahaba used to do. Radiallahu anhum. It's something that, that, that the Muslims do to this day. If you go, if you go places, there are people who, who do this. I mean, you cannot tell who is in wudu or who is not in wudu. There are a lot of people who do this. Um, uh, you know, who here uh, took Shaykh al-Hind at Dar al-Qasim? Any of you? Any sisters? Right, Shaykh al-Hind. So that's one of the things actually Shaykh al-Hind writes about that. that he was traveling. He, he was traveling in. Uh, uh, in uh, uh, Mawana Mahmud al-Hassan from Deoband rahimahullah ta'ala that he was traveling in uh, uh, somewhere in the Indian subcontinent and so he asked, he saw a, a young man, Muslim young man he said it was time for the Salat and uh, um, he, uh, uh, he, asked, he asked him, he says, do you have wudu? so you pray together, yeah, do you have wudu? He says he, he looks at the sheikh. He's just like a farmer, right? He's a farmer. He goes looks at the sheikh. He says, "Doesn't isn't every Muslim on wudu all the time?" And uh, the sheikh said, "Like Subhanallah, I felt like ashamed, like in front of this kid, you know, that he was like I'm like teaching hadith and like for hundreds of students, and you know this kid. This is he just like very innocently asked, doesn't a believer always have wudu? Um, so that's a good thing as well. It's a good thing stay on wudu. I mean, imagine if you're cognizant of having wudu." Then it's not as fun to like you you know I don't look at haram things you know uh, haram things that you shouldn't be looking at. It's not as fun to you know cuss and swear when you're cognizant that you you have wudu you know it do, it doesn't and you're you're aware of when it passes right because imagine if a person breaks makes wudu again after it breaks every time. There are so many sins you cannot complete without without not being on wudu. So uh, uh, it's itself the awareness of your wudu is a type of muraqaba. It's one of the masnoon forms of meditation. Not every meditation means that you have to have like a idol of something in front of you and light the incense and like woodstock out like a like a hippie or whatever, right? There are a number of masnoon meditations that uh, muraqabat that are that are that are uh, 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 you know that are there in the sunnah and they're very powerful. The the awareness of the prayer times, the awareness of your tahara and things like that. These things they 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 bring into the the heart a, a, a state of what what uh, you know you know people everyone wants to be a Jedi but not believe in God right so uh, 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 you know they call it mindfulness or whatever what are you being mindful of you're being mindful of your dirt and your water uh, 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 you're being mindful of the body that's gonna rot one day uh, that's not something worth being mindful of that's something worth being heedless of. Uh, uh, the mindfulness, if you have something to be mindful of, mashallah, then it's very potent, it's very useful, those muraqabat. 
those masnoon muraqabat. Allah Ta'ala give all of us so much tawfiq. Wa sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala. Wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Inshallah, we'll make salat and salam on the Prophet again once we're done explaining this hadith. But Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So he said that like every time I make wudu, that's a different thing that he would do than anybody else. That whenever he would make wudu, like many of them would make wudu and stay on wudu all the time. But what he would do is that once he would make the wudu, he would make sure to pray two rak'ahs. And so it's uh, it's considered mustahab because the Prophet mentioned that this is an amal that's going to uh, 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 that's going to make him hear the footfalls of Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu anhu sandals uh, in Jannah in front of him. Uh, that uh, uh, that uh, um, That it, it, it's, it's, it's a very virtuous deed. Now, the, the question about what does this mean, right? The, the, the dafu, dafu, na'alaiko, khashatika, amami. It comes in a number of different wordings. What does it mean, the footfalls of Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu anhu being in front of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Jannah? There's a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the gates of Jannah will be knocked by a number of people. This was mentioned by uh, 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 by Sheikh Walid Manisi, he's a, he's a he's in in Minneapolis. He's like a master qari, one of the senior qura in the uh, in North America, and uh, he's he's a very learned person, mashallah. So he mentions this, like he mentions on the Yom Al Qiyamah that that there will be a group of the muhajirun that the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam will intercede for and ask Allah Taala to let them into Jannah without without hisab, without without having to reckon anything. And so they'll cross the sirat like lightning and they'll be at the gates of Jannah and they'll knock and the angels will be like, where's, where's the Prophet ﷺ? No one can enter until he comes. So they'll just have to wait for him over there. It's better than like, you know, getting judged and stuff, but they're going to have to wait. And so the angels will be like, how did you make it over so fast? What, what, like, did you guys cheat? Did you cut the line? Did you cheat the system? How did you get here so fast? Don't you have to give hisab? And they'll respond to the angels. Imagine that they'll come in their form. Because the thing is, the people will show up in that form, in the form they are in the dunya, but it will be different. It will be in haqiqah, right? Those same fuqara, the muhajirun, they're disheveled, misakin, like they had nothing to eat. They had khushuna, their, their, their skin was rough, their clothes are rough, they're dusty and disheveled. But somehow it will become like a, like a, a sifa of jalal on that day, that the people will see that this is like a, a sign of their honor on that day. So they'll come like that in that in that in that state of jalal, and the angels will ask them, "How did you how did you get here? Didn't you don't you have to get in line and give hisab before you can cross?" And they'll they'll tell the angels this is they'll boast in front of the angels. They'll say what they'll say. How are we? What are we gonna give hisab about? He says from the day we said la ilaha illallah, we had our swords uh, carrying our swords on our backs until the day that we uh, died in the path of Allah Taala. What are what are they gonna ask me about? What am I gonna be asked about? At any rate, so the hadith is there that nobody will enter until the Prophet ﷺ enters. They all have to wait for him, wasallam. And in fact, it comes in the hadith that he'll enter just so that they can go in, and then he'll go back and make shafa'ah for the other people afterwards so that the first batch doesn't have to wait. So what happens is that the Prophet wasallam, the angels will ask that nobody can enter before Muhammad enters, alayhi salatu wasalam. And so the, 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 the muhaddithin, they, they found this hadith slightly problematic in the sense that what does it mean that the footfalls of Sayyidina Bilal are, are in front of him? Majority of the muhaddithin, they say that it's like, uh, uh, imagine like if a king is going somewhere and the, he has a servant that's holding the reins of the, like the, the camel or the horse and he walks in front. 
uh, no one walks in front of the king, but the 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 taqaddum of the khadim is like the honor of the makhdum. The the, the 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 servant going in front of the king is like it's it's like he's part of the entourage, so it's counted as the the king entering. Wallahu alam. That's the, the 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 generally the muhaddithun will. This is the explanation they'll give. Uh, uh, Ibn Arabi, uh, uh, Muhyiddin Ibn Arabi, the Ta'i rahimahullah tabarak wa taala, not the Maliki Faqih, the other one. He mentions this that that the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam will enter first. And then from inside the door, he'll face Sayyidina Bilal, who will be right there with him. And that's what he means that I hear his uh, footfalls in front of me, meaning that he'll already be inside, uh, and then he'll, he'll, he'll see his footfalls while facing him, rather than both of them walking in the same direction. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. Uh, one of the reasons for mentioning these things is it's good to visualize uh, what the end a person wishes to have is. Another reason to mention these things is what a lot of people freak out about these things. They nitpick like, oh, look, this is proof the hadith doesn't make sense. No, just apply your mind to things and don't think like so like linear and like simplistically, literalistically. There's a lot of, nothing in life is that linear anyway. Real life is always like that, you know. It's just think about it five for five, ten minutes or go ask somebody who's good at thinking about things and they'll explain it to you rather than having a crisis of faith about uh, every time you don't understand, you know, how something is supposed to make sense. Uh,